When was the last time you ever heard the gospel preached in your church? When was the last time you had the gospel fully explained in your church? Or how about when was the last time you heard about heaven and hell from the pulpit in your church? Or how about biblical creation? Or are you just hearing stories that tickle the ears or make you feel very emotional or just feel good when you leave church? Well, last week we talked to several professional athletes and we asked them the question, what do you look for in a church? And we're going to find that out today when we talk to the pastor of the church where those professional athletes go. Well, I want to welcome you to Creation Training Radio and TV, and I'm your host, Mike Riddle, the president and founder of Creation Training Initiative. And we have with us in studio today, Pastor Bill Riddle. Bill, thank you for coming here today. Thank you for inviting me. Now, can you tell me just uh, what, what church you pastor at there and where that church is? I'm the pastor of Hyde Park Baptist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, I've been there as pastor almost 12 years now. Well, the previous session we had those three professional football players in here, and each one of them gave almost the same testimony what they're looking for when they go to a church. And it was not stories that tickle their ear. Now, could you tell us, uh, start by telling us a little bit about your background, how you got into the pastorate? Well, um, I would say as far as the professional athletes coming to our church, they're not coming for me. Uh, they're coming to hear God's Word. They're coming to learn and to be taught and trained to live out their faith. As far as myself, I was raised in a Christian home, raised in a church, worked in the uh, manufacturing and fabrication field for about 27 years, and then probably about 18 years ago, the Lord called me into full-time Christian service. My wife and I thought it would be on the mission field, and He redirected us to a local church. And that church is where now? Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. Right, okay. Now, you, I like your background, engineer. I like that kind of person because it, it gives a logical thinking and it teaches you how to dig into something versus just, again, the stories, the surface-level stories that tickle our ears. Now, how did you get into doing expository teaching there? Well, that was a, a work that God did that He led me to. I was raised not with expository preaching, just average, good, good, but average, typical American churches. And as God began preparing me for the ministry, I started getting my theological training, listening to lots of sermons, uh, reading sermons by Spurgeon, pastors from the old times, and someone gave me a book about the life of uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, famous Welsh pastor. And he had such a high view of God's Word he was committed to preaching the Word as, as that being the main need of the church. Uh, the Lord used that and other expository pastors to show me the importance of teaching biblically uh, a book of the Bible at a time all the way through, no skipping around. Some topical messages, sermon series are okay, but a steady diet of that uh, can lead to a weak shallow Christian faith. In other words, you actually teach the hard subjects in there. Well, that's one of the benefits uh, of expository preaching is that you don't get to skip uh, certain topics or subjects that may be hard or difficult or that people don't want to hear. So by expository teaching, what you're saying is you go start with a book, you pick a book out, and you go line by line, verse by verse, and not skip anything in there. Right. So you teach the hard parts. You even talk about heaven and hell in there. When it comes up, we preach on it, absolutely. Because there are churches out there today that really don't believe in hell. 
Yep, that's unfortunately, that is Christian churches, uh, pastors that call themselves Christian are teaching, uh, they're introducing a different God, a different gospel. Uh, they're using the Bible, but they're not using it correctly. And they're attempting to make people feel good. And, and they're actually denying hell, uh, the, the eternal judgment of God. Now, the, these athletes that, that came there, they, they, uh, they, every time the season starts, they're coming to church, regardless where they live around the country. When they come here, this is the church they go to. Tell us some more about what you do in your church. We are, we are a different church. We are not your normal church. I tell people we are very unique. Uh, God seems to bring unique people to us. We've had a, a great freedom uh, that when I came to the church about 12 years ago, it was a typical urban, old urban church. They were about ready to close the doors. There was only about 12 people who attended there. They were all 75 years of age or older. They were all white. And it was a very spiritually dead church. You're not describing me church. now, are you? Not yet. <laughs> okay. Not yet. <laughs> old and white. <laughs> yes. But it was, and it was a spiritually dead church. And um, I, didn't, I didn't think that uh, the Lord would call us to this church. But after preaching there a couple of times and getting to know the people and seeing what was going on, I, God gave me uh, a burden for them. They were truly sheep without a shepherd because the Word of God wasn't being preached faithfully, consistently. Uh, they were, a lot of it was tradition, routine, just going through the motions. And so I told them if they call me as pastor, they're, they're going to only get one thing. They're going to get God's Word because that's the only thing that can grow us as believers. That's our source of authority is the Word of God. You know, there's a lot of people in church out there today that would love to hear this, but they're not getting it. They're getting, again, a lot of stories that tickle our ears. What does the Bible have to say about that? Do you have anything to say about what we should be preaching in church? It, it does. And, uh, of course, the Bible is sufficient for everything. But more than just uh, preaching, it talks about what churches should be doing. Because I, I find that has, uh, the idea of what church is has changed in America. And it, is, it has led to a weakening of the church, a devaluing of God's word. And the church is the body of Christ. It is made up of believers, those who have been born again, redeemed through Jesus Christ, his life, death, resurrection. And the church is made up of those saved individuals coming together to worship the Lord, to learn God's word, and to live it out. But the, in my lifetime, the idea of the church has become, it's a place where people get saved. And so we've got to get lost people in to the church, and we've got to do, we don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. So uh, lost people, the world, the natural man doesn't want to hear about hell doesn't want to hear about sin, the judgment of God, the wrath of God. So, so to, make them, to make unbelievers feel comfortable in the church, we've, they, they water down the message. Uh, there's a lot of entertainment. And, and so you are trying to appeal to the, to the natural, to the flesh, when the truth of God is spiritually discerned. So the church, I believe that what the church should be doing, we find in Acts, in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it tells us what the believers were doing when God first formed the church after pouring out the Holy Spirit on the disciples, on the apostles. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says, And they, the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. 
And the Lord blessed that. It says a few verses later that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so the early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And that's what we do in church with the primary emphasis, the teaching, the preaching of God's Word. Well, they couldn't have been that successful. They didn't have a praise band, did they? Uh, there's a lot of things they didn't have. <laughs> well, I'm not saying all praise bands are, are bad. Now, I've, right. I've been to a lot of churches, and boy, there's some good music in there. Absolutely. But they didn't have the rock and roll. Yep. And the essentials. Yeah. Uh, we, we have set aside the essentials, uh, what God says makes up a church, what is to be the primary focus and purpose of a church. We've kind of set it aside and in order to win souls, and it's great to have, we all should have a desire to win souls, but the, the church consists of believers who are trained, fed in God's Word. They grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then as believers, we go out into the world taking the gospel and then bringing in the sheep. And that's the whole model of biblical discipleship, isn't it? And that's one of the commands God gives us, to be disciples and go out and train others so that they can go out and be disciples. I like that model. Bring people in, train them up, and send them out. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I get to see some of these uh, youth groups, and they always have this one or two days a year where they say, bring in all your unsaved friends. You know what I see happening? They act like the world to keep them there. They have all the music like the world. They have the stories like the world. You might have a five or ten minute preaching session, but the unbelievers, what they see is the world. They don't see God there. And that's one of the weaknesses of the modern, what I call the modern American church, is that because the Word of God is not preached faithfully, consistently, accurately, we, we give out short sermonettes, we is not in me, but the, the average church, uh, believers aren't fed the Word of God. They're not trained. They're not grounded in the Scriptures. They're not exhorted to live out uh, their faith in Christ in the world in which God places them. And so we, we develop shallow Christians and therefore, the, the, the church is more affected by the culture and begins to look like the culture instead of the church affecting the culture for Jesus Christ. I like that model. What's that? That's exactly what I see happening. The world is influencing the church rather than the church influencing the world. Now, I've had several occasions where I've called the church up and where I want to come and talk about creation. And the, the pastor will come on and say, well, Mike... Um, uh, this is too controversial of a topic, and we don't teach that here because we don't want to create controversy. Could you talk to that matter about what we should be teaching and not teaching? As a, as a pastor, as a, as a Christian teacher, we don't have the right to pick and choose what we want to teach. We cannot, uh, we should not bring our opinion into the Word of God. Our, our call... Um, are called by God, we've been appointed to preach the Word, preach it faithfully, preach it from the first verse to the last verse. And any, any person, any individual who's not willing to let the Word of God be the supreme authority shouldn't be a pastor of a church. Now, is, it, is there, can you give us some biblical references on that where it says for us to preach the Word or all Scripture? Yes, fortunately, God's Word instructs us in all things. We have in Paul's letter to Timothy, a young pastor, his instructions, God's instructions. 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 11, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, the young pastor, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, 
but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And he tells him, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. And then he tells him, he warns him, keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. So he tells Timothy, the, the utmost, the, the vital thing that you must do is teach the Word of God. Public reading, exhortation. Now, how about this? I hear this. Just preach Jesus. That's all that matters. A lot of churches do that. A lot of people do that. But here's the problem. We are, in the 21st century, we are not a God-fearing nation. We, we are a godless culture for the most part. People have not been raised in the church. We tell them believe in Jesus, and they should rightly ask, which Jesus? Who is Jesus? So we're asking them to believe in someone they don't know who he is. Why do I need to believe in Jesus? And so the, the Word of God is a, a complete whole. It starts with the Old Testament, Genesis especially, that gives us the foundation. Why do we need Jesus, the Savior of the world? Why do we need to have our sins forgiven? Because Genesis, the first chapter, third chapter, tells us God made us, perfect world, we sinned against God. We rebelled. We became separated from God by our sin. We need a Savior. And uh, just telling someone, believe in Jesus, without telling them who Jesus is, why He came, what He's done, leads to a false conversion. Many times, you mentioned uh, youth groups. Uh, my wife and I were youth leaders in a church for about 15 years, college and career teachers in another church for about eight years. And... We brought, uh, we encouraged our youth group, uh, we'd have these big evangelistic rallies, invite all of your classmates from school, public school, bring them, they'll hear the gospel. Well, they would come and we'd have a lot of fun, a preacher, evangelist, we'd get up and would tell them, uh, believe in Jesus. You don't want to go to hell, do you? Want to go to heaven? Everyone wants to go, believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. And every year we had tremendous response, anywhere from five to 40 uh, public school uh, students, high school students, would raise their hand, pray the prayer, sign the little card. And then after about 15 years of that, we looked back and said, where are literally the hundreds of young people that made decisions for Christ, where are they? Because they weren't in the church. And when you would see them and meet them on the streets, their life hadn't changed one iota. Um, because they weren't truly born again. It wasn't a supernatural spiritual work that God had done in their heart through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. They just made a decision for Christ. And the sad part is, now they're adults raising their own families in the world, not, not interested in church or Jesus Christ or living for God, but if you ask them today, are you going to heaven? They'll say, yes, because I, I believe in Jesus. And so we do a, a horrible disservice uh, to people by not taking the time to tell them the true, the whole gospel. Well, a couple of things you said in there. One, uh, you said fun, and I don't have anything with fun, anything against having fun. I think we can have fun in church. God allows us to smile. It takes less muscles to smile, too, than it does to frown. But I agree, it's fun, and some entertainment is, is good. But if that's what your focus is, we've got a lot of people sitting out in church thinking they're saved, and they're not. 
We've got a lot of people in church today hearing these stories that tickle our ears, really not knowing whether to say people sitting in church for 20, 30 years, not even knowing for sure whether they're saved or maybe have false conversions. And that's a big problem because we're not doing the teaching we should be doing. Now, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm not saying all churches are that way. Right. Because, again, these athletes found your church. And one of the ways they found your church was they went to the Internet and they found this place called Nine Marks, ninemarks.org. And on there they have nine things they talk about what is a measure of a good church. And that's how they came to your church. And one of those was the preaching. Expository teaching is one of the things they talk about. They talked about biblical theology teaching all the Word. And I believe there's a verse in the Bible, and I don't know if you probably know where it is, where it says, all Scripture is God-breathed and it's all good. That, that's in what? 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out, inspired by God, and is profitable for teaching or doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The the, uh, it's good for reproof, correction, uh, teaching, reproof, correction. That tells us what's right, tells us what's wrong. The Bible tells us how to get right and how to stay right. And that's the Word of God is, that's what it's for. And I believe the last part of that scripture so that we can be thoroughly equipped. I would say, if we're not teaching all the Word, we're not thoroughly equipped then. So there's a lot of churches out there today that are not equipping their congregation. Because my job is not just to preach a message to encourage or exhort people, but a, part of, a, a large part of my ministry is to train our people to know and to use the Word of God rightly themselves so that they don't have to have me. They don't always, well, my preacher said this. They know what God's Word says for themselves. So if there are athletes out there that really do seek the Lord, and it's not a pretend thing. It's not uh, they're seeking the Lord so they can become better players. They're seeking the Lord because that's they see their main mission in life. Football is part of their, their job now, but they see something bigger afterwards. And that's why they've gotten themselves these kind of churches. So you're a church that's drawing professional athletes that really want to believe in the Lord and know what their life is all about. And that is, that's, that's a work of God. It's a miracle. He has brought to us people that are hungry for God's Word. They want to know the Word. They want to know the truth. They want to see how does this apply to my life. Uh, and then they want to live it out. That's what's so awesome. These, these athletes that, that we mentioned aren't just in it for themselves. They have a burden and a desire that their teammates would turn to Jesus Christ, would be saved and live for Him, give Him glory. And so... Uh, their mission field is, is the locker room. It's the, the football field. And, and they want God to use their life for Christ, for God's glory. Now, you don't only have professional uh, athletes in there. You've got people from all walks of life, from just basic to a lot of professionals in there, too. We've, we've got, God has brought uh, such a unique blend of people to us. Uh, and it, came, it seems to come in phases. There was a period in time in which well, when we started, we didn't have hardly anything at the beginning, people-wise, numbers-wise. And we, we started praying for families. God, we need families in the church. I started praying for mature, godly men to come alongside of me be, uh, to help me in the ministry. It's not just about me. And, and, and God just started sending us college students 
postgraduate students and they were getting their law degrees and becoming doctors and all this and molecular biology and and uh, and so it, but then they would be with us for three or four years and then they they would graduate and go off somewhere else in the country and we were like god we need to keep them here you know we're training them and we kind of figured out that i guess maybe we're a spiritual boot camp god sends us these individuals we pour god's word into them for three or four years and then god sends them out and, and uses them and so that's an awesome thing. So you had some scientists in there. Did that concern you when you when you taught about biblical creation in six days? No, as long as they were willing to accept what the Word of God says about how God created the world. And that is a problem we have in a lot of churches. I've been to some of these churches. They don't want to talk about six days. Or, or if they do, they actually compromise the Word of God by putting in millions of years to appease those scientists to make them feel like they're being scientific. But they're really not being scientific when they had billions of years in there, are they? No. Um, and that's one thing that a pastor, I think, needs to have is a greater fear of God than a fear of man. I, don't, I didn't start preaching to be popular or to be famous or to be wealthy, obviously. But I felt that this was, I believe, that God was calling me into this to to shepherd the flock, to train the church. And the, the most important thing is that I honor God in my preaching and trust that God's going to use it to, to train and to bless those who, who come. And so if we have a fear of man, we won't preach on the difficult topics. We will water it down. And uh, it, it's much better to have a fear of God than fear of man. So that brings us to the topic of leadership. How do you feel about leadership in the church? Any qualifications there? or? Well, again, the Word of God, God gives us the qualifications for leadership in the church. Uh, the, the biblical positions in the church of leadership are elders and deacons. And uh, it, it can be pastors, uh, overseers, bishops, different, different words, terms for that. But it is uh, God has established he raises up men trained in the Word of God, able to teach, giving evidence of a biblical con conversion and a desire to shepherd the flock, a heart for God's people. Now, somebody's sitting in the, in the church that's listening to this day, today here, and they're sitting in their church. How would they know whether they're getting stories or getting the real information from the Bible or just something the preacher wants to talk about? How would they know that? Uh, there's only one measure, uh, one standard by which you can measure the, the quality of what is being preached or taught in your church, and that's the Word of God. Uh, it was one of the things when I first came to the church, no one brought their Bibles. They'd just sit there and listen to me talk, and so I challenged them. Uh, well, at least you got them listening. They weren't sleeping, right? Not, no, <laughs> okay. no, they certainly were not sleeping because uh, a lot of what I was preaching from God's Word, they didn't like. They hadn't heard it before. I had uh, uh, one of the members said, I don't, after a month or so, says, I don't feel like we have a pastor here. And I'm like, why? They said, all you do is talk about God. And I'm like, um, I think that, I thought that's what you're paying me for. But uh, I challenged them to, uh, because they disagreed with so much of the gospel and what I was preaching, I challenged them and said, have your Bible open. And as I preach, you follow along. And if you can find anywhere that I am, uh, twisting it or distorting it or it disagrees with what I'm preaching, let me know and I will, uh, next service, I'll get up and, and confess it and apologize to you. And so they, they started reading their Bible to try to catch me, but, but you know God used that. 
Yeah. So you're you are actually trained them to be like the Bereans. Check everything out. Yeah. The Bereans were more noble. They everything that Paul taught them, they'd go home and check it in the scripture to see if these things were so. And and I regularly tell my people, don't believe what I'm saying simply because I'm your pastor. Check it with the Word of God, because that's our only safe measure of truth. Now, any other final comments you would have on, on this? Um, about the style of teaching you do, the style of teaching we should be doing in churches, what the Bible has to say? I would say just uh, all of our ideas about what we even do in church, how we structure our services, should come not from the way I was raised or the way my church used to do it, but from the Word of God. Uh, so much, so much tradition and habit and routine can 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 settle in that we need to measure everything uh, according to God's word. Now that we have our marketing guide right here, we don't have to go to the world and figure out how to do better marketing and bring in large crowds. We have the book right here. We don't need man's wisdom and schemes and entertainment to bring the people in, but Absolutely. we have words guide. Now, one of the things I, I think you're leading to here is the topic of discernment. Now, Bill, I'd like to ask you, could you come back? Because this is a very important issue because we've got a lot of people sitting in the pews out there in churches today really not knowing when false doctrines are being brought in. So I'd like to ask you, could you come back and do a couple of lessons on discernment for us? I would be glad to. Thank Bill, you. We will look forward to that. And, and I want to thank all of you for, stay tuned, the next sessions, Biblical Discernment. Is your church giving stories? Are they bringing in false doctrines? And do you have enough knowledge to go back to the scriptures to check these things out to see if what they're teaching from the pulpit and from the Sunday school classes is God's word? Thank you and God bless you. If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website creationtraining.org. Again, that's creationtraining.org. Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month, or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's Word as it states in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Mm -hmm.